I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are going to be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are going to work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're going to read one chapter a week. And inside our book study Facebook group, you're going to get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts. You're going to get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's going to be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're going to get a lot out of the group, even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 53 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Happy Monday, friends. It is November 22nd, and it is the Monday before Thanksgiving. And let me just first of all say, I am so thankful for you. I seriously am so grateful for the teachers in the audience. And I am coming up now. I cannot believe that this podcast has been around for almost a year. And I just love the community that we have really created around this podcast. I love how you guys are so committed to learning how to be the best reading teacher for your students. That is inspiring and motivating for me to show up here each week. So just know that I am thankful for you. I am grateful for you. I am thankful for everything that you are doing for your students. And I hope that this week you are able to take a little bit of time away from work and enjoy celebrating Thanksgiving with family and friends. I'm also curious if you're actually teaching today. I know a lot of schools are generous and give their teachers the entire week of Thanksgiving off. I really hope that that is the reality for a lot of you, but I also know that some schools still report for Monday and Tuesday. I know that several years I taught in a school that we had to go to work Monday and Tuesday, and those days were challenging and hard. So if you are in school today or tomorrow, know that we are cheering you on. You've got this. Vacation is in your near future, and hopefully you can enjoy Thanksgiving holiday, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes. I'm doing some cooking this year for Thanksgiving, and I'm so excited to actually start doing some of the cooking on Wednesday to prepare for the big meal. So anyways, all that to say, what we're going to talk about has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but I wanted to talk a little bit about movement and how we can incorporate movement into our literacy blocks. And I thought this would be a good episode to release right now, because if you are still in the classroom this week, these might be some routines and some sort of like structures that you want to set up and start teaching your students now So that way, when you come back after Thanksgiving, you can refer back to them. And if you're off this week, then bringing in movement in December 
is a really good time of the year. I think, you know, this is kind of the time of the year where we're starting to notice our students might be a little antsy. I know we're excited for the holidays. We are sometimes disengaged or not motivated. You know, it's just the middle of the year can be challenging for teachers. And I remember always thinking, okay, how can I try to keep my students on task? How can I try to eliminate behavior issues? How can we just continue to maintain and grow this positive learning environment? And one of the things that worked well for me is incorporating movement. I think movement in the classroom is important for a couple reasons. One, it gets kids out of their desks moving around, which can help with their attention and their focus when they are at their desks. And I think especially in upper elementary, it's important for us to be intentional about giving students opportunities to get up and move around because they are older. They often can be engaged in activities for 30 or 40 minutes. And, you know, I think we need to be mindful of that when our students are doing a specific task at their desks for a long time. We might need to let them get up and move around before transitioning to the next assignment or the next subject area. So I spent quite a bit of time just experimenting with different movement routines and attended a couple different like Kagan trainings to help with collaborative learning and always found that they were so helpful just for the attention and the focus. But in addition, I also realized that movement activities can have a huge impact on just the overall classroom environment and the feel of the classroom community. Because most of the time, movement activities are also going to be an opportunity for collaboration between students, which means they're going to be either discussing a question together, answering something together, working on a project. They're going to be interacting with a variety of students. And I noticed this more so when I moved to upper elementary, fourth and fifth grade, students can sometimes have a sour attitude about working with some of their classmates. You know, anytime we would do partner practice, if I was assigning partnerships, I would have students, you know, say things like, well, I don't want to work with that student or I don't want to work with them. They're gross or they don't know the answer to something. You know, they would sort of make somebody feel bad about not wanting to be their partner. Or you would have students who would, you know, I want to work with my best friend and make a big deal out of that. Or if you let students pick their partnership, there's going to be a student who's going to wander aimlessly around the room looking for a partner while everybody else got started. And so I let my students work in partners and in groups and I would let them, you know, pick their partners or I would, you know, assign them. But the thing that I realized is when I was intentional about doing movement activities that incorporated collaboration, when my students were working with and discussing and interacting with all of their peers on a regular basis, we had a lot more positive partnerships and working relationships when they were for longer periods of time. And I think it was because with some of these movement activities that I'm going to share with you, you're going to realize that within any given movement routine, students might interact with four or five of their peers within, you know, a 10, 15 minute time frame. And students would start to hear other students' perspectives or interact and engage with students that they might not necessarily seek out or choose to interact with. And students started to realize that like, you know what, I enjoy working with the student. You know, they had a really interesting perspective or they shared something that I didn't know or They shared a connection that allowed me to get to know them on a more personal level. And so I think when you can give students opportunities to collaborate and interact with all students in the classroom, it makes for a much more positive experience when students are doing like longer partnerships or group projects. So hopefully that makes sense. But like I said, I found that movement really helped with not only attention and focus, because students got up and they had a little bit of a break, but it also really had a big impact on just the overall community feel in our classroom. So today I wanted to share with you four different movement routines that you could incorporate into your literacy block, you know, at some point. These could be things that you do daily. They could be things that you do weekly. 
I love using these during test prep season. And so this would be a really good time of year to introduce and practice these routines with your students. I think any time that you are incorporating movement into the classroom, you have to teach students how to move correctly. So with all of these, you're going to have to, you know, teach them one at a time, explain to students the process, let them practice, have a few students model, maybe show them the right way, have some students show the wrong way, and then give them feedback on how they did. And and you really want it to become a routine. So when you say like, okay, we're going to do loops of learning or we're going to do a four corners, you don't have to explain the directions. Your students just know how to move according to that specific routine. So keep that in mind with all of these. If any of these routines that I share with you, you're like, oh, I really like that idea and I want to incorporate it in my classroom. Just make sure you take some time to actually think through what would the sort of instructional and teaching part of that look like. Okay, so the first movement routine that I like using in my literacy block, I call it loops of learning. And honestly, you could use this for any subject area, but it it does work in, in your reading block. And the way that it works is you want to split your students into two groups. And then once your students are in groups, you're going to create two concentric circles. So that means one group of students is going to create the outer circle and one group is going to create the inner circle. And you want your students standing so they are facing each other. So the outer circle faces in and the inner circle faces out. Once they're in this position, you're going to give your students a question to respond to. Students will discuss with the partner that they are facing. And then once students have discussed the question with their partner, the circles are going to rotate in opposite directions. So maybe like if everybody moves to their left, they're going to be standing face to face with a new partner, which means then you can ask a new question and they're going to respond to that question, but they're discussing with somebody different. And this can be really great if you are discussing a shared text So if you're, you know, at the end of your read aloud, if you have like three or four response questions you want your students to respond to, you could have them quickly jump up and form their loops of learning and have them answer and respond to the questions. And so they're just discussing with different students. This also could work if you want to review like homework or questions on a worksheet. So let's say you gave your students a passage to read and maybe there are four questions on a worksheet. You could have them take their worksheet and then stand in their loops of learning and first person, they're going to both share their answer to question one, and then they rotate, and then they would share their response to question number two and three and four. And the reason why I like a routine like this is students are up, they're moving around, they're going to be interacting and engaging with a variety of students, but it allows basically every student to have their voice and their opinion heard, which means, you know, I think sometimes when we're questioning students, if we only ask questions to one student at a time. It's only that one person's voice that's being heard and validated. But with a structure like this, you know, half of your class is responding at the same time. And so it can be just a really fun and different way to review either homework or questions, or like I said, to discuss a read aloud text. You could even do something like this during your morning meeting. And if you have, you know, questions about like, what's your favorite genre? Who's your favorite author? you know, things like that. They could even be open-ended questions that aren't comprehension specific, but it just gives students an opportunity to share their thoughts, their opinions, their answers with a variety of students. And because it is structured, right? Like students are standing in a circle, you're teaching them how to move. It's a very structured sort of routine. So I love using this one. And this is one of the routines that if you're like, oh, I can really see that working. I would make sure that your students have an A group and a B group, like who is the inside circle, who is the outside circle. So that way you can quickly set up the loops of learning before you get started with that. That is the first routine. The next movement routine that I like to do with my students, and my students love this one, it's called Quiz Quiz Trade. And I learned this one from a Kagan training that's all about collaboration and 
they have a lot of like movement activities, but this is a great one because again of the movement side of things. And so a quick little rundown of what quiz quiz trade is. Every student gets either like a task card or a question stem. So again, if you're using task cards with reading passages, this might take a little bit longer. But if you've shared, like if you have done a shared passage or a shared story, if you have question stems or question cards, every student gets a card with a question on it. Or you could even have students come up with a question of their own on a post-it note. But the important thing is every student has a task card or a question card that they can respond to. And before you get started with it, each student needs to read their own question and have an answer to the question on their card. And then they're going to get up and they're going to move around a room to find a partner. Sometimes I like to play music to this or read a poem. And then when I stop, they have to find a partner, you know, something to sort of like make it a little bit more fun. And we always say it's like you find the very first person that you're next to. There's no walking around to find your friend. And so when students have found a partner, partner A would read their question and the other partner would answer it. So the idea is, is they're going to both respond to the other person's question card And the reason why we want our students to answer the question first is because we want them to have an idea when their partner responds to their question, can they say, oh, yeah, that's correct, or I have a different opinion, or, you know, look at the evidence here. They basically are serving as the corrector, the person who can tell them if it's correct or not. And so once students have responded to the question card or the task card and they've talked about their answers, they're going to switch cards. So now the student has a new question or a new passage or a new task card, whatever it is. And now they can find a new partner and they're going to repeat that same process. They're going to find a new partner and they are going to respond to each other's questions. And then at the end, they're going to trade cards. So they're going to quiz, quiz, trade. And the reason why I like this is because students are constantly trading cards, it means that they constantly have a new question stem in front of them or a new task card that they need to respond to, which means it's okay if they end up being partners with the same person. I know sometimes when we're doing things like a mix and mingle or, you know, when students are finding someone who they want to gravitate towards their friends, they maybe are shy and they don't, you know, want to initiate a new like conversation with somebody else. And so when you do a quiz quiz trade, you're basically saying, you know what, it's okay if you only have a group of like three or four people that you're going back to, or it's okay if you want to go back to your friends. I know that students love interacting and being collaborative with their friends, and I try to create opportunities where that's okay. And so again, because students constantly have a new card, because every time they interact with somebody, they're trading cards that they're responsible for, they can interact with you know the same people again. So I love this one. This one works really well if you have like a multiple choice questions or if you have like a short little passage with questions on it. You could even do it with just like question stems. But this is a fun one to do, you know, if you're, again, like preparing for a test, if you're checking answers, if you've got task cards, this would be good in lieu of like independent practice or, you know, instead of like centers, if you want to give your students a little bit more time to practice independently. But in this case, they're up moving around. So hopefully that makes sense. Quiz, quiz, trade. That's a fun one that students always love. And then... The next one that we do a lot of is four corners. And maybe you've heard of this one before. There's a ton of different ways that you can incorporate this into your classroom. One of the ways that you can do it is you can label all four corners of the room with each letter A, B, C, and D. And then this works well if you're having students, you know, review a multiple choice or answer something that has a multiple choice. And so students would answer their multiple choice question. They would write down their answer and explain why they chose it. And then on your command, whatever your signal word is, Students are going to walk to the corner of the room that corresponds to their answer choice. Then you're going to let students, you know, discuss and respond their answers. And one of the things that I like to do with four corners is 
gives students an opportunity to change their mind. And this can work really well if you are taking a grade for an assessment before students submit their work. I always like to give them an opportunity to think through their answers to, you know, double check their work. And so everybody goes to a corner, A, B, C, and D, have somebody from A say why it's the right answer, B say why it's the right answer, C, D, and explain. And a lot of times students might hear another student explain their thinking or their rationale, and they'll be like, oh, I didn't consider that, or I didn't see that evidence. And they have an opportunity to change their answer choice. And again, it's important for us to keep in mind that especially with things like multiple choice, Yeah, we want students to get the right answer, but more importantly, we want them to understand why something is the right answer. We want them to understand how that answer came to be. And so if you can incorporate something like this, it just gives students another chance to understand the thinking behind it. So that's one way you could do four corners. Another way that you could do four corners, and I almost like this one better because you guys know that I'm not a huge fan of multiple choice questions, especially in reading. But another way that you could do it is you could label each corner of the room as a specific category or kind of like a type of response or descriptor. And then after reading the shared text, you could let your students go to that specific corner. So for an example, you could label the four corners as one of the corners could be, I have a strong connection to share. One could be, I have a question I'd like to ask. One could be, I have a prediction that I want to share. And one could be, I have a strong opinion about this text. And then this could be done after your read aloud, you know, even after independent reading. Have your students write down, you know, their choice, what it is out of those four, a connection, a question, a prediction, or a strong opinion. Have them write it down and then have them go to that corner and discuss it with other students. So this way it's completely open-ended. You know, students are just given an opportunity to respond to the text and talk about it. And again, it's a way for them to get up, move around, you know, have a choice and interact with their peers about something. So that's another way that you could do four corners. And again, this is a great routine to use, especially the ABCD side when it comes time for test prep. And so if you spend some time now just even teaching your students the second version that I shared with the labeling with the connection question prediction opinion, your students are used to that routine to where you could then easily modify it for when we get into the season of test prep. So four corners is another movement routine that I love to do. And then the last one, I think this is already the last one I'm on to number four, is I call it small group scoot. And I'm sure maybe you have it, but scoot is a, I feel like a very popular way for teachers to use task cards. You know, they would place task cards either around the room or on the desk and students would stand in front of them and then scoot around from task card to task card. So that way they're responding to all of them, but they're getting up. So that's if you do the whole group. I sometimes found that, you know, we would not have enough time to get through all of the task cards. So I would do what I refer to as small group scoot. And my students were usually in groups. A lot of times there would be groups of four desks or groups of six desks together. And so each table group would get a set of questions or task cards. You would place the question, one question or one task card on each desk. And then you would have your students get up, push in their chairs, stand behind the desk, and they would read and respond to the task card that is in front of them. And then when you say scoot, All of the students would rotate around their table in a clockwise direction. And so every time a student scoots, they're either reading a new task card or answering a new question. And then students would scoot until they completed all the task cards at their table. So this is great because, again, if you just have groups of four or six, it's a small amount of work that students are completing, but it's enough time for them to get up and kind of move around. So it can be just an easy way for students to get up and practice, you know, some of those routines, especially if you do use task cards, but they get to move around a little bit. A lot of times I would like to play music, you know, when we're doing this and task cards work incredibly well for small group scoot. But another way that you could do it is you could have four 
various response options at each desk. So, you know, if you read a shared text or passage or even your read aloud, students are responding to that. But on each desk, there is a different form of response and students are just completing one portion of it. So on one desk, maybe you would have a plot diagram of the story and, you know, students, when they get there, they get to choose which part they want to fill out. So maybe they want to only fill out, you know, the rising action event, or maybe they want to fill out the climax, or maybe they just want to do the hook part. And so they get to choose, but every student that goes around is going to fill out one part of that diagram. Or maybe on one of the desks, you have a set of response questions and students are just answering one question. And so again, you know, everybody's responding, but there's almost this element of surprise. It's like, okay, what question am I going to have to respond to? You know, and then you could easily do that as a group work or participation, something like that. But again, as the group, they are completing a different type of response at each desk. You know, you could have a graphic organizer on one desk and students fill out just one portion of it. You could have a question and answer. You know, if there's like, again, if it's four desks or six desks, you could have four boxes. One would be a question box and then there'd be an answer box right next to it. So half the students would be asking a question and then the other half would be answering it. And again, it's like they get to choose how they're going to respond to it. But of course, every desk they move to, they're going to have less of a choice on how they respond. So that's another way you could do it. You could also just have on every desk a different open-ended question for students to respond to. So again, you know, what question do you have about the text? What connection can you make to the character? What surprised you the most? Which character can you relate to? But it's just another way for students to get up, move around, and respond to a text in a meaningful sort of way. So here are four different movement routines that you can incorporate. Hopefully, maybe you're already using something similar to these. If not, I hope that you can pick one of these and start to incorporate it into your classroom. Like I said, this time of year is a great time of year to sort of introduce these routines to your students. And the goal is for them to become routine. So that way you can say, okay, we're going to do loops of learning or we're going to do small group scoot or four corners or whatever it is. And students know exactly what they need to do. So that way you can quickly and efficiently use this as part of your instructional time, but giving the students an opportunity to get up, move around and collaborate with their peers. So again, just to review, four different ways that you could get your students moving during your reading block, loops of learning, quiz, quiz, trade, four corners, or small group scoot. And you guys know I love hearing from you. If you think you're going to incorporate any of these routines into your classroom, or if you have another movement routine that you regularly use, I would love to hear about it. Reach out to me at the Stellar Teacher Company on Instagram. I love connecting with you guys. And I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, however you are celebrating. And again, let me just remind you that I am so thankful for you and just hope that you have a wonderful holiday this week. And I will see you back here next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.